That's a cute little guy. I don't know where he came from. Oh, I kind of do. Dave and Jody's youngest son so far. I don't know where Jody is. I just said that to make fun. Mark chapter 14. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, sowing seed today, the seed of the Word of God. Uh, we touched on it a little bit last week, and uh, I want to go a little bit more in depth this week. I think I... I might have the wrong chapter there. That's why I'm hesitating here. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. And we're going to read down through verse 20. Mark chapter 4, verse 14 through 20. Father, as we approach your word, we, first of all, we thank you for the word. We thank you that you sent your word and you healed us, you delivered us. Thank you that the seed of your word produces your results, your desire in our life. Father, I pray today as we hear your word, I pray that every heart would be open and receptive to the seed of your word. We thank you for the power that you put in that seed. Thank you that your word is alive and powerful, that you watch over your words to perform them. I pray, Father, that you give me utterance in the Holy Ghost, that my tongue may be like the pen of a ready writer, uh, that we may speak as your oracle. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 4, verse 14. The sower sows the word. What does the sower sow? The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. So I, I love sowing, and I love sowing financial seed, the sower sows the word. I believe you'll get a, a better harvest and you'll get more revelation if even when you're sowing financial seed that you sow with the harvest in mind. In other words, I am sowing this money so that uh, the gospel can be communicated to others so the gospel can go to others so we can have a place to come together so we can give into every good work. So I probably won't say, well, I might say a little more, but the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside when the word is sown, but they have heard, uh, but when they've heard, Satan comes immediately. These are they, back in uh, the beginning of verse 15, by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which was sown into their hearts. Now, I don't know, you don't have to raise your hand if that's ever happened to you, but, but uh, that's happened to me. And, uh, you know, you hear the word and you're like, whoa, this is great, praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, like, Something hits you suddenly, and you're shocked, and maybe it's an explosion or something. And uh, I had a little explosion yesterday, so we have an inside joke. So I have all hair singed all over my hand, and I'm alive. Praise the Lord! I was like, "Thank you, Lord, for your protection." It all happened so fast. I was in the ball of fire. Praise the Lord. It's kind of like that, like immediately when propane gas hits flame, it is ignited. It's like, boom, boom. So the sower sows the word, right? But these are they on the wayside, so they're on that, that kind of the, the side of the road there where they hear the word. So one thing, it's one thing to... Um, have a conversation with somebody. But it's another thing to hear what they are saying. Now, I experience this sometimes with my wife. 
and sometimes with other people. And I experience it a lot when I minister in the Word of God. So I'll be like, you're not, you're not actually hearing this. Because if you were actually hearing this, you, you would actually, your face would change, your, your body language would change, your actions would change. So you may be having a conversation, you may be hearing talking, or you may be reading words that are written, but you not, might never have heard what they said. So particularly if you're dealing with a situation of propane, you really want to like make sure that you have heard the safety instructions. And then not just heard those instructions, but actually followed those instructions. It could be life or death. I mean, uh, or stinky singed hair. So, so sometimes uh, what, what I do is I kind of like put up my spiritual antenna. How Brother Hagin used to say it. But... He would always say it, I always heard him say it at least, in reference to what's the Holy Ghost saying. But I'm saying like, I put up my antenna when the Lord gives me understanding I didn't have before. And I, I see something from the Word, and I receive it, and, and I rejoice at seeing that. I'm like, this is great. This is the answer that I have been uh, looking for. Or sometimes I haven't even been looking for this, but I have never seen this before. This is going to change a lot. Well, then I've kind of trained myself, like, when that happens, I have to take extra close attention so that I become the category that Jesus is going to talk about, that's the good ground, that I don't let those things slip away. Like, what did the Lord say? So sometimes that just means writing it down. And uh, sometimes it means making, when you make a note, make a note that will remind you of what it was, because sometimes I have, like, I would just write down maybe the scripture reference or a little phrase, but I found for myself, if I actually write down kind of what I was thinking while that happened or my mindset or, or what was the challenge, and then I write that down, then when I go back to it, wow, the same revelation is there. So, so you don't want the, to let the devil steal a seed that's sown. Now... Um, Most of the time, uh, I, I was in um, Ethiopia. So let me take a side journey here. I was in Ethiopia, and uh, I had to go to the airport, or no, the, the uh, place where you change your plane tickets, but it wasn't an airport in Ethiopia. It was, it was like a bank. And so I needed to, the minister I was with wanted me to extend my stay, and so I said, okay, I'll go change my flight. And so I... Uh, went to change my flight, and I'm in this, you know, it's kind of like a bank, but it's basically, you couldn't just go online and buy your airline tickets or change your airline tickets. You actually physically had to go into this place, which is like a booking agency, and change your flight. And uh, so I go in, and I'm sitting at the desk, and it's taking a little while, and I look to my left, and over here is a man at another desk, and they're only, you know, it's like little cubicles with only like uh, knee-high walls between them. And so he's sitting over there, and I look at his feet, and he has like a, an, ammo, an ammo box container, and it's opened up, and it's got money sticking out of it, and he's got two stacks of bills just right next to it. And I said to my, uh, they had sent somebody with me because uh, I needed help, you know. <laughs> and so uh, the person who was with me, I said to him, I said, uh, you see all that money he has right there? And uh, he said, Yeah. And I said, um, is that normal? He said, oh, yeah. He said, nobody will steal it. And I said, really? I said, where I come from, that's like saying rob me. <laughs> like you just have all that money sitting out there and do that. And he said, no, 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 it's safe. But generally speaking, you know, you wouldn't really want to walk down the sidewalks in Washington, D.C. with about $10,000 worth of $100 bills. Because somebody's going to try to steal that from you. And they may kill you in the process. And so, interesting thing is that the devil comes to steal what is valuable or what will change your life. 
So sometimes maybe the devil sees the value of the seed of the word more than we see the value of the seed of the word. So much so does he see the value that he said immediately, I'm coming right away. Why? Oh, what happens if that seed gains root in the ground of your heart? Well, that thing becomes uh, very difficult to extract. You can't get it. We have like a, is it a mulberry tree that's in the garden? So we have a big mulberry tree, and on the edge of one of our gardens, the strawberry garden, somehow this mulberry seed got in there. And we'd just been busy, and we'd kind of left it, so it's about this tall now. But, but at the beginning of the year, right, she tried to pull it out, and she's like, I cannot pull that thing out. It got too established, too rooted. But, you know, if that, if that was like eight inches tall and you see it, you just go and pluck it right out. Immediately, we should put this in practice, prayer garden. Immediately, when we see those things planted, we pull them out. We pull them out. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Amen, that's good. Praise the Lord. I receive it. I take it. And have no root in themselves. And so... Well, they have no root, so what happens? So they endure for a time. And afterward, when affliction and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Immediately they're offended. So that's an interesting one, huh? So it's like no root. So they're like, this is great. This is wonderful. As long as everything just goes just fine and drops on you like a ripe cherry off a tree. Right? So as long as it's just kind of like automatic, oh, God is good. Everything's wonderful. God is on my side. I can tell because everything's going right. Somebody should notify Paul <laughs> that God was not on his side. If that's your definition of God being on your side. Because that man went through hell on earth. But man, he had a spirit of faith. He, he didn't get hung up in the how come or why. I mean, he kind of knew he was carrying something as well. Do you know that you're carrying? If you're a believer, you're carrying. You're carrying some ammunition. You got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so they have no root in themselves and they endure for a time. But afterward, when it gets tough or when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake. Well, I don't know if anybody's going to shout about this, but affliction and persecution arose. Why? For the sake of the word. In other words, you know, you watch the old uh, Western movies and, you know, they got the stagecoach that's carrying all, you know, the, if it's carrying all the ammunition or carrying all the money, uh, that thing is a target. So they got extra people protecting that because that's a target because it, it's carrying. It's got some assets. It's got some power. And so uh, when the persecution comes for the sake of the word... And affliction comes because of the word. Again, the devil is trying to not allow that to get rooted in your life. Because if it is rooted in your life, he has lost. He cannot pluck it out. Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, which hear the word... And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in. So the, so the word's sown, but then all these other things start entering in. And they choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. Let me read that one more time. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. 
You, you, you ever experienced that in your own life? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever seen that in someone else's life? It's always easier someone else. You know, I saw them do it, you know. They should be here for this message. <laughs> share it, share it, share it. Share the message. Yeah. <laughs> but the lust of other things. Oh, I got to have, you know, it's a strong desire that I must have right now. So, so I'm going to do this right now. And so I've seen people do that with relationships. They'll put a relationship before the word, before God. You know, uh, somebody I know used to have like a, uh, before they had like a first serious boyfriend, they used to have, I go to their, uh, saw they had like a index cards all over their house and uh, they had posted scriptures on those. And then one time I noticed they don't have those index cards or about half of them were gone and they were replaced with quotes from their boyfriend. <laughs> And the next time I noticed, like, they were all gone, no scriptures, and just boyfriend stuff or whatever. And then uh, there was a pulling away from the Lord that exactly coincided with that transition. So lust of other things. So sometimes it's just lust of relationship, but it can be lust of, like, you know, I'm all about the money. And so, well, where, where are you going to live? Wherever they pay me the most. I don't care what state, I don't, I don't care what country, you know, uh, it's wherever I get the most money, uh, wherever I get the most influence. And, uh, you know, I guess in D.C. you could say, like, uh, two of the greatest um, tripping points are power and influence, and power influence money. So uh, if you know anybody on Capitol Hill, staffers particularly, it's a doggy dog world out there. Because if your representative or senator loses their election and you don't already have something lined up with somebody else that's, that's uh, going to be a person of influence, you lose most of your friends, which were never your friends to begin with. So the lust of other things come in and crowd out the word that was sown. All right, let, now let's look at the best one. And these are they, verse 20, which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. So hear the word, receive it, and produce fruit. In other words, as soon as I hear something from the Lord, uh, I'm taking note of it. I'm not going to let it get away from me. I'm actually going to act on that word. I I'm going to write it down, number one. And I'm going to ask the Lord about that word. And I'm going to figure out what steps to take with that word. Well, one of the best ways to get that word planted deep in the soil of your heart is with your mouth. In other words, you speak of it. Uh, in Deuteronomy... The Lord told the children of Israel, do this. Like, speak of it day and night. Teach it to your children. Actually, like, put it on the frontlets of your face. In other words, that's why you'll see some of the, the real uh, devout Jewish people to this day will have like a little box up here. And in there is the word of God inside there because they literally, they like literally put it there in a box, you know. Well, I just take that as kind of like Proverbs 4, 20 and 21. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That's interesting. It'll be before your eyes if it's in your heart, the word of God. If you get that word planted in your heart, then every place you look and, and what you see, you'll actually have the word before your eyes. In other words, your imagination will be affected by the word that's in your heart. So when you imagine the future, or you imagine uh, the plans of God and the purposes of God, you actually imagine it with what the word says about you. Instead of what the devil says about you, or even worse than what the devil says about you sometimes, instead of what you say about you. How powerful are your own words over your own life, your own attitude, your own thinking? Well, your words, you should always speak what God says. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. 
Mark chapter 11, just a few pages over. Verse 22, and Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily I say to you, whoever, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and will not doubt in his heart, but will believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Well, well I don't know if you noticed that, but over in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, he said, whoever will say to this mountain, uh, that, that's the Greek word which means to command something. In other words, you know, mountain, you move. I'd say, Evie, move to that chair. You don't have to. Right? So I'm giving a command. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, those things will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So the second say right there, which, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, that's the Greek word lego, which means like you keep saying the same thing. In other words, like, you know, James chapter 1, if you ask for wisdom, ask in faith, believing, not doubting, because if you doubt, you're like a wave of the sea. You know, you're, you're not going to get what you ask for. But you, you ask and you stay solid on that. In other words, you might want to get it settled in your heart before you declare something. Before you command a mountain to move, you might want to decide, like, do I want that mountain to move? And do I believe that mountain's going to move? Because if I, if I do, number one, I have faith in God. So I know if that mountain, say, is sickness and disease, then the Word of God teaches me that I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. Not going to be, not I hope to be, but I, I was healed. It is part of redemption. It's part of what Jesus did on the cross is he freed humanity from the scourge of sickness and disease and infirmity. And so if he did that, and that's part of redemption, well, I'm not putting up with anything less. I will be healthy, I will be whole, because he already did heal me. And so I have that, I have faith in God. I believe what God said. I believe it more than my, what I feel. I believe it more than what I see. I believe what God said. What, the, what God said is true. What I have in my own life is experience, and that is subject to change. Amen. Heaven and earth have passed away, but he said, my words will never pass away. We have this beautiful, well, several beautiful trees in our area and where I jog. And there's this one tree that right was right on the corner until the 80-mile-an-hour winds blew it down. But that thing was probably like 400 years old. It was, the trunk was like this. And uh, the first 80-mile-an-hour wind, I busted three quarters of it, and then, and then like two weeks later, the rest was gone, and I, I, I run past it, and I enjoyed how that tree looked, but I just run past it now, and I said, that just reminds me, this is temporary, I mean, there may be some really beautiful things, really beautiful stuff, but that's temporary, uh, that, that's going to change, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but the word of God will never change, it'll never pass away, so I, I choose to fall in love with the word more than a tree. You know, and then if you ever look in the mirror, we believe to grow old gracefully. You know, but things are changing. <laughs> she said, stop. <laughs> Just look to the word. <laughs> you can be, uh, grow old beautifully, but you are growing older. You are aging. And then the third say, if he believed those things that he says comes to pass, he'll have whatever he says. That's command again. So in other words, you give a command, and then you, you stick to that. Like, this is what I said. So I thank God this is what's coming to pass. Then you'll have whatever you commanded. Whosoever shall command a mountain... 
and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he has established so much that he just says it constantly. If you, if you talk to him, it comes out. He'll have whatever he commanded. Well, what's interesting is, if you look in verse 23, he only talked about us believing one time. But he really overemphasized what we say. Now, I don't believe I'm the only one, but it's possible. Not probable, but it is possible. That you have something in your heart that you believe. That God has shown you. That you know about the course of your life. That you know concerning the word of God. That you know, like... This should not be so. Poverty does not belong in my life. Sickness and disease does not belong in my life. Strife and contention do not belong in my life. Death and destruction do not belong in my life or your life. But sometimes you know those things will come knocking at your door. I don't know. I've had those things come knocking at my door. And I'm like, I think in my head, like, now why is that happening? And then I respond with my heart. I don't believe that. Here's what the Bible says. Not going to have that. But sometimes it doesn't make its way from my heart to my mouth. And I, I, I'll sometimes kind of get alerted by the Holy Ghost because like, I'm like, now, what is going on? And you kind of have like a prompting on the inside. Are you going to say something? Well, you know what I believe. Yeah, but are you going to say something? And I think like, is that necessary? Well, I know it's necessary because I know the, the, what the Word of God says. I'm talking about where the rubber meets the road. Like, what are you saying about it? Because, you know, um, the Lord told Brother Hagin, you're going to have to do three times as much teaching, preaching about the speaking part of faith or the saying part of faith as you do the believing because most believers are not missing it in their believing. They're missing it in their speaking. Well... To receive the word requires humility. So I would kind of be incorrect, just as incorrect as you would be, to hear that and say, well, yeah, that applies to all those other believers, but I, I pretty much got it down. In other words, that would mean I would be tempted in that arena, you would be tempted in that arena. That would be the default if you just kind of like push cruise control on your life you're probably not going to be speaking what you believe like you should. Especially when it comes to mountains. Because he's teaching us about faith, but he's actually talking about mountains. Did you ever notice cruise control has great difficulty in the mountains? Like, you, 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 oh, now you're going too fast. Oh, now you're going too slow. Oh, now you're, you know, why are you flooring it right now? Can't you see the next hill? No, it requires some manual intervention. So what would it be like if you only ever said about every situation what the word of God says? Check up on what you're saying. Because we're talking about seeds. And so a seed will produce after its own kind. And the, the best way to have a seed really established and planted in your life is you, you hear the word and then you speak that word. And you're speaking of that word. You're watering that seed. And you're allowing it to gain root in your life and it get established in your life. And you know, uh, you could say a lot of things. And you may say things that are not according to the word of God. And then you're starting to establish those things in your life. 
those weeds are coming up in your life and they're taking the place of the word of God. They're putting pressure on that word to try to crowd that word out so that that word doesn't produce a harvest or it's real easy to pluck out. So in other words, boy, if I can... Uh, they, they do this sometimes when they're going to, like, attack a country. You know, it, it, now they'll do lots of social media stuff. You know, so, so they'll, like, put lies out on social media. But if the country, especially if it doesn't have a lot of uh, Internet access, those type of things, and they'll still do it, they'll fly over that country and they'll drop... Uh, leaflets and writings and they're doing psychological warfare they're trying to prepare the ground for defeat sowing discord they're, they're trying to make a way to get in there right and so uh well i guess they learn that kind of from the enemy because he'll do that in your life and he will uh, do everything he can to crowd out the truth of the word so that does not get established because if that ever gets established he cannot win a battle against you in that area unless you let your guard down. How you let your guard down? Oh, I just, I just really want that. Uh, I, I'm just really tired of all this other stuff. I'm just going to go that route. That, that, that seems a lot easier. That, that seems a lot better. And he'll make it look easier and he'll make it look better. The power of a seed. Um, years ago, I didn't understand. When did I first start? Probably about 25 years ago, I started to hear something different than what I had thought up to that point in my life about sickness and disease. And so um, I had uh, somehow the thought or idea had been planted in my life that uh, the Lord would use sickness and disease to teach you. You know, smooth out the rough edges. Help, help you stay humble. Or, wow, you know, maybe the Lord meant that so that you'd have time because you, you keep yourself so busy, so, so now you actually have time. You got sick, so maybe it's from the Lord because you got sick, and now you actually have time to listen, or, you know, maybe the Lord caused you to go to jail so you'd have time, so you could study the Word, you know, all these human experience reasoning thoughts. So I started to hear God doesn't put sickness on you to teach you. Uh, I started to see from the Word of God, you know, if an earthly... Uh, father knows how to do good things for his children how much more does god you know if an earthly father wouldn't give his children serpents or scorpions how much more your heavenly father and i started to see like healing is part of the redemptive work that jesus did on the cross and there is no sickness in heaven so if there's no sickness in heaven how in the world could god give you sickness and they're like if you're going to train your own children you know, if I could just go from a laboratory or uh, somebody that has COVID and grab a swab of it, swab of it, and my children were doing things I taught them not to do, would I just say, "Hey, I'm just going to give this to you to teach you," or you did something I really don't like, so I'm going to grab some cancer. I'm going to give you some cancer. Well, that that, that is illogical. Uh, you you would never love someone and want to make them sick in order to teach them a lesson. Well, so I, I, I heard the word on it and my spirit rejoiced like, yes, you know, it was a witness of the spirit, which is the primary way God speaks. I thought, whoo, that's good. Praise the Lord. You, you can run, you can dance. Hallelujah. But you know, that mindset it took a little bit of washing of water by the word for that mindset to actually change. So that now if, if, if I heard somebody say that, I don't even think in that direction. That is the most illogical thing I've ever heard in my entire life. 
So sometimes you get a seed planted from the Lord and other things have been in your life that it may take a little bit of washing of water by the word for those things to kind of fall off. But if you stick with the word of God, you let that seed gain root, all of a sudden that thing will be much stronger than everything else and everything else has to go instead of uh, the word having to get pushed out, the other things get pushed out. I mean, I used to, uh, they wanted to take my tonsils out when I was a kid because I was sick all the time in the winter and uh, the winter season, those type of things, and uh, get exposed to a lot of things. And, uh, you know, when I started to learn about healing, that stuff, well, some of it did kind of stop almost right away, but a lot of it, the virus type of stuff didn't. But what happened is it got less intense and less intense, and then I didn't experience it at all in many cases. And uh, now it's like you just might have a, a mild something, and as long as you just address it with the Word of God, in other words, the goodness of God and the mercy of God and what the Word says. I, I like to act in faith on the goodness of God. Why? Because it keeps me out of the picture. So I notice when I get in the picture, I don't get that good of results. Like, in other words, of course I should be healed. Do you know who I am? Well, that's just saying, like, attack me with sickness and disease. <laughs> So my greatest temptation, where, where, I, where I would open the door the most to sickness and disease, is stress and worry and frustration, you know? Uh, so, so I started to notice, like, that, that there's a pattern in my life. Like, I would get overstressed or whatever, and then I would really get physically attacked. And I could actually feel when I would get overstressed, I could feel, like, internal release of chemicals, like, coming down, coming in, Right? So what's my, my job acting on the word is, oh, I refuse to worry. So how do I do that? I, well, I tried to start doing it, but I'm not going to worry. I'm just thinking in my head. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. Nope, I'm not going to worry. But then, whoa, I kind of get worried. <laughs> you get tempted to worry. But I notice if I say it out loud, there's something about having the word of God on your lips that is so powerful. That I say, the Lord said, don't worry, don't fret, don't have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will flood your heart and mind. So then I would say, oh, I'm not going to worry. Lord, I just give you this care. And I thank you right now, your peace is coming in like a mighty army in a difficult situation and surrounding me on every side. And what happened? Oh. Well, it actually says it with thanksgiving. So you say, and Lord, I thank you. You know, don't worry, pray. Essentially, it says, don't worry, pray. You'll have peace and get the answer. <laughs> Sounds pretty simple. And so then all of a sudden you say, and thank you, Lord. Thank you that this challenge, it's in your hands, it's taken care of. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. So just to get the word on your lips and in your mouth and applied to your situation so that when you're tempted, you speak the word. One of my favorites is where Jesus, uh, you know, is with the woman at the well and then the, his disciples come back. And they're like, hey, we are hungry, and you must be hungry. Let's go get some food. Well, Jesus responded. He said, my food is to do the will of God and finish his work. Well, what? that's his confession. Why? That's the road he needs to walk on, and the only way he's ever going to walk that road is if he confesses what he believes, what's already in his heart. The seed of the, of the word of God, once he says those things, uh, well, then he has the ability to walk them out. He says, so, so what sustains me is not natural bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is to do his will and finish his work. That's my sustenance. That's what invigorates me. That's what gives me strength for the day. So they wouldn't even have to fast. And how could they fast? Because he was there. That's what he said. They could just listen to what he said and say what he said and do what he, he did. And you'd find, oh, you, you know, uh, you overcome. 
Well, what do you say when you're disappointed? When you get disappointed? I know nobody in here ever gets disappointed, but if you ever got disappointed, what would you say? That's the most disappointing thing. That's so disappointing. I am so disappointed. Okay, if you say that, just follow it up with, but you know what? It's not going to change my attitude. It's not going to change my day because I believe God. I believe God makes a way. Why? Well, because your believing in your words will make the difference if a way is made or not. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Life and death. So you may, you speak doubt, you speak unbelief, you can almost sense it coming in and taking over. You speak, this will never work, this is not going to happen, it's going to fail. Well, you just open the door. As soon as you hear yourself say that, you need to say like, I don't believe a word I just said. <laughs> I refuse to say that. Lord, forgive me. You know, you come to your senses and say, no, I'm not going to have that. I'm going to live a long life. I'm going to live a blessed life. I'm blessed because of what the Lord has done, not because of what I have done. I'm blessed because God is good, not because I am good. He, he provides for me because he's a good God. Uh, when I mess up, he, he shows me the right way to go. And so your words water the seed and your words are seeds. Take sides with the word. Take sides with the word. In your attitude, with the spirit of faith, with the simple childlike faith, you speak words of faith. Let's uh, end with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 13, and the, and the verses right before it. Verse 8, uh, 8 through 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in the flesh. For we which live are always delivered to death for the sake of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in you, uh, us, but life in you. Verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith as it is written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So you've got to speak what you believe. You have to say it. You have to say it. You can't, you can't just think it. You can't just believe it. You must believe it so much that you say it. How do you overcome temptation? With the word of God in your mouth. In your mouth. How do you overcome poverty? With the word of God in your mouth. How do you overcome sickness and disease? With the word of God in your mouth. How do you overcome depression? With the word of God in your mouth. How do you overcome pride? with the word of God in your mouth. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. He will raise me up. I will not raise myself up, he will raise me up. I don't have all the answers, he has all the answers. How you be led by the spirit, with the word of God in your mouth. He's leading me, he's guiding me. Do you know what to do? Well, I'm going to know what to do because he's my shepherd. I shall not want. I never lack for direction. I never lack for opportunity. 
the word of God in your mouth. It's like a, it's like a sharp sword. How did they overcome in Revelation? And they overcame the enemy by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. In other words, they overcame the enemy. We overcome the same way. By the shed blood of Jesus, what Jesus did. Not by what I did, by what he did. And what? The word of their testimony. So they're testifying to what the blood has done in their life. Stand with me if you would. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ if you never have. The Bible says, well, Jesus actually said you have to be born again or born from above. You, you, it's not automatic. Uh, some people, uh, some people, I don't know if it's in certain areas of the country or whatever, but uh, they'll be like, well, uh, well, I was always a Christian since I was a kid. Well, you can't, that's, that's unbiblical. You can't always have been a Christian since you were a kid. Uh, uh, you're born a sinner, and you reach what the Bible calls the age of accountability, you must make a choice. You can be born again at a very young age, but you must receive him. The Bible says as many as received Jesus Christ, those are the ones that he gave the right to be the children of God. So you must receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You, you declare and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and then you will be saved. So it is not automatic. Yes, God loves you. Yes, he has moved heaven and earth and hell to make a way for you. But he will not force himself on you because he loves you. So you have a choice. Every person has a choice. And you must make a choice. You must make a decision. You have to decide, am I just going to live for myself? Or am I going to give my life to Jesus Christ? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he comes in, recreates you, makes you brand new gives your life purpose, gives your life meaning. You have a new relationship. We're not talking about joining a, a church or a religion. We're talking about getting a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to uh, receive Jesus Christ this morning, if you're online or you're here in the room, I want to give you that opportunity. You're, you're not guaranteed that you have another day. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. When you accept Jesus Christ, you're made brand new. You become a part of the family of God. Your destination after you die is heaven. If you're not born again, your destination after you die is eternal separation from the Lord, from, from God. It's in hell. And that's not the plan of God. That's not the heart of God for your life. His plan, his heart for you is to be part of his family and live with him forever. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds, and when I do, I'd like, if you'd like to receive Jesus as Lord, I'd like you just to, with every head bowed, every eye closed right now, just slip up your hand, and um, I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you, and then I want every believer to also make this confession with us, that Jesus is Lord, the greatest confession anyone could ever make, it separates light from darkness, good from evil heaven from hell say this with me say God I believe that you are and that you reward those who come to you I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for you for the rest of my life. Father God, fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Say that with me. Jesus is Lord. All right, let, let's say this. Just say it after me. Say, Jesus is Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my body. 
not sickness and disease. Jesus is my healer. Jesus protects my body. The blood of Jesus protects my mind against every dart of the enemy. The blood of Jesus is my divine covering and protection against all the work of the enemy. The blood of Jesus is alive. It is so full of life and so full of grace. It perfects everything in me to the perfect will of God. Every day of my life, in every way, I set my affection on God and His kingdom. Everything I need is supplied to me in great abundance. I always have more than enough because God is my source. He supplies me. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. If, you, if you'd like prayer uh, for anything, please uh, feel free to come forward. George is going to be up here, and uh, Laura will join him shortly. And uh, we'd be happy to uh, pray with you and for you and uh, agree. You know, if you got something going on, you just grab another believer, you agree with them. If two of you agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it will be done by God. Our Father in heaven. And so uh, you don't need to uh, fight the battle alone. We, we're, we're a body together. Every part uh, functions with the supply of the Spirit that actually joins us together. And um, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, thank you so much for coming.